Eastwood films, everybody's seen one. Eastwood quotes, everybody's ruined one. Buddy Van Horn made us mourn, films made for you. But when it's unclear, my squinting dear, who it's for, we end up with Richard Jewell. Not Richard Jewell. Let's talk about the difficulty we had uh, recording this. Yeah, we spent uh, at least two minutes trying to figure out how to get the microphone to work. Uh, Shout out to Audacity. Shout out to Apple, actually, for being the the worst company on the planet. Apple is like the Disney of phones. That's not bad. Yeah, thanks. Just thought of it. I'm Ken. I'm Jack. And this is the good, the pod, and the ugly. It's everyone's favorite Clint Eastwood podcast. Yay! So this is a podcast where, oh no, now we're at the segment of the podcast where you have to... Explain? Explain the podcast. <laughs> well, it's it's really simple, and, you know, I've done this, like, what, 30 times now? This is our, our 30th yep. episode? So it, I've it got, is? I've, yeah, I've got... Big the, 30, high five. I've got the description down. We um, we're watching every Clint Eastwood movie. We watch two per episode. Um, one as he gets younger, and one as he gets older. It's like the tenet of Christopher. I mean, of uh, Clint Eastwood podcast. <laughs> yes. So um, didn't I yeah. say that last episode? You said it next episode. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> All right. Uh, we have. Boy, a banger watched, this week. We've watched a lot of Clint Eastwood movies, and um, and this episode is possibly the best pairing. It, it, of you know, any. what's funny is we just set it up by the dates that they came out. So, like the latest one, the earliest one, and and we just paired them up that way. But this is, um, this has made a couple weird pairings in this podcast, and this is definitely one of them because both of these movies are directed by Buddy Van Horn. Yep. Um who was a longtime stunt double and stunt coordinator for um, Clint Eastwood and his debut feature film, uh, Any Which Way You Can, the sequel to Every Which Way But Loose, um, was one of the biggest hits of 1980. Is Any Which Way You Can to Every Which Way But Loose that The Road Warrior (laughs) is to Mad Max? No, it's... um, what Thunderdome is to Road Warrior. Oh, good one. Thank Interesting. you. Interesting. Thank you. So, not as good, but still pretty great. And then the, yeah, the other one that we're wa- we watched this week was Pink Cadillac, which was the uh, third. Well, the one that I watched this week. We'll get into the that. The third and final of the Buddy Van Horn Clint Eastwood trilogy. Buddy Van Horn did not direct another movie ever again. Um, <laughs> there was a fourth one that he would have directed uh, that we will talk about. Um, at the end of this Any Which Way You Can segment. And we're going to talk about Any Which Way You Can because, frankly, it's the one of these two movies that people have actually seen. Yep. And probably the only one they can relate to, and we're talking about it because uh, Pink Cadillac. Who's seen it? We have. Yes, we did. Pink Cadillac is like the hereafter of the 80s. Yes. Yep. Any Which Way You Can is the sequel to Every Which Way But Loose, obviously. And Sweet. It, it's, any, Every Which Way But Loose was a big hit. Any Which Way You Can was a big hit. Um, they almost made a third one, which we'll talk about at the end here. Um, what would that have been called? We'll get to that. Oh, wait, really? Yeah. Sweet. Um, so uh, people loved 
the first one, and they loved Clyde the orangutan. Dude, it's and- a dude hanging out with a monkey. I mean, you can't get any better than that. Yeah. Um, they had to replace the actor who played Clyde because the one from Every Which Way But Loose got too big. Wait, it's a different monkey? It is. What? Yeah, they, they got one that could tear apart cars. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's actually... Di- it looked the same to me. So, But let, let's go back in time okay. to 1978 in Every Which Way But Loose, which we covered a few weeks ago um, with Thomas. Um, it, not a very good movie. It, it's, no, not c- at all. It certainly has its charms. And what we, you, I, and Thomas all really liked about the movie was was the ending. Yes, the depressing ending. Uh, Philo Beto, played by Clint Eastwood, is a, is a, a street fighter. Um and he chases after Sandra Locke, who turns out to have just used him as a mark to get money. Um, she has a pimp. Um, she hates him. And his last big fight that he has with like a, a guy they've been talking about the entire movie, um, he throws the fight because he doesn't want to turn into the guy he's fighting. So, so he, he throws the fight. Very uh, depressing. Great, great ending. You know what's crazy that I just realized, though? Yeah. Clint Eastwood in this Street Fighter Street Fighter of the game, Street Fighter of the movie, Raul Julia, Street the Fighter, the rookie. It's, it's all, all coming connected. together. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, the great ending on that first one. Really terrible, bizarre kids movie, and then it just turns a curve and becomes super depressing. Yeah. Which is the the only, which is my favorite. And also, part of the movie. Sandra Locke abandons him too. She wasn't in love with him the whole time. Mm-hmm. Let's make a sequel that throws away everything good about the first one. So. We're back with Philo, his brother. Little um, dirty, hairy man. Orv- Orville, situation. played by Jeffrey Lewis, who's been in a million of these Clint Eastwood movies of this era. Yep. And uh, Ruth Gordon as Ma, the mom. And she's like barely in this, isn't she? She has more screen time in this one than in the first one. A well, lot more. She has. Um, <laughs> yeah. You slept through most of this, didn't you? Okay. So here's what happened. Basically, what happened was. Okay. So I was super, super tired, right? Yeah. yeah and we yeah. put on this movie. And it's not very good. Mm-hmm. And I slept through a lot of it. I saw some key scenes. I saw the orangutan. I saw Sandra Locke. I get the gist. But you're going to have to explain to me what happens in this movie, because I literally have no idea. Well, um, we open with the freeway and a helicopter shot, much like the original. Okay. And instead of the theme song that Glenn Campbell sung, um, Any Which right, Way You Can, right. which appears later in the movie with him singing it um, in a bar, um, they have a song sung by Ray Charles and Clint Eastwood called Beers to You, um, okay. featuring some classic Clint Eastwood lyrics, such okay. as... <laughs> uh, Ray Charles... I'm not going to try and sing like Ray Charles, but Ray Charles is like... And, and when my love, w- love and wife left... For points unknown, you were there to fill my glass, and it proved to me a woman's love can fade with the taste of Coors, and good friends always last. And then they sing in unison, beers to you, old amigo, for all the good times, and here's to all the woman- women that we've been through. Let's set them up, my compadre. Um, that's the song that opens the movie. Okay. It's Clint Eastwood and Ray Charles singing a duet okay. called Beers to You. So, um... Interesting. If you had any concerns about what type of movie you were getting into, <laughs> to the credit of this that sets theme the song, record straight. Yeah, you, yeah, you know, you know what you're in for right away. Totally. Um, <laughs> uh, so the movie opens with Philo still fighting, 
Even though at the end of the previous one, he was like, I don't want to become like that guy. It's This is a Magnum Force situation, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, you know what? That's, that's just the Magnum Force of ape movies. Right. Where the, the big one's a big success. So in the sequel, they just throw away everything that, you know. They throw away the ending. Finalize the ending. Yeah. Because oh, really, point. Dirty Harry, that's the ending to his story. And Every Which Way But Loose, that's the ending to his story. Are you trying to tap the screen of your computer there? You shut up. It's pretty funny because it's shut not a touchscreen. Yeah, I know. Okay. Hey, everyone who's listening, you just tried to touch the screen well, of his computer. you know, my work laptop is a touchscreen, so sometimes I get confused because they're the same size. So they all look alike. Whoa. <laughs> that's computerist. Uh, anyway, so he's still fighting. Uh, the 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 movie opens with uh, everybody everybody going to a fight at a construction yard, and yep. um, he is fighting a cop. And these other cops have brought him because they could beat him. Oh, and, and then Clyde poops in a car. Yeah, Clyde pooping in the car is one of the thi- one of the things that they gave Clyde in this movie bits of business um, that are different from the first movie. So um, in this movie, there are multiple scenes of Clyde shitting in cars. Okay. Mostly cop cars, because he doesn't like cops. Sweet. And then the other thing they added is apparently his superhuman strength can tear apart an entire car in seconds. I remember seeing that, yeah. Um, that was pretty weird. Very peculiar. I don't think orangutans can do that, can they? I don't know. I'm I, I'm going to um, PetSmart to get one this afternoon, <laughs> and I will let you know. Um, so there's the fight. He wins. And the 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 nominal bit of character in this movie is Eastwood's character is starting to like pain so it's time to give it up which seems like it would be the time to like fight more because you know right. you're enjoying your job totally uh but he's a little concerned about that and he's not going to fight no more yeah i don't i don't remember any of that um so we we've talked about the Clint Eastwood POV punch quite a bit it's, oh this is like the unforgiven of Clint Eastwood POV punches um there's I, I, quite a few um, yeah, there. Did you write them all down? No. If you took a if you took a drink every time there was a POV punch in this movie, you would be dead probably in the first ten minutes. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, yeah, there there are so many POV punches because there are so many fights, and right. every single one has Clint Eastwood, you know, basically punching you in the face because he's punching the camera. We're talking about how awkward that must be to film because he can't mm-hmm. actually punch the camera. Right. So it must look really funny. So I think what happened was um, much like Stanley Kubrick. Eastwood, ever the perfectionist, uh, mm. had to develop his own camera. Totally. Uh, I'm just kidding. He didn't. He just pulled his punch. And... <laughs> <laughs> um, so he in the fight, we he he would have beaten the cop uh, quickly, but he got distracted by a pair of boobs of someone watching. Oh the yeah, fight. that was so weird. And that's when he realized he was starting to like pain. Nothing about being distracted by. Anyway, it's bizarre, <laughs> awful, terrible. Uh, so then we switched to New York. With some um, mob bosses what? having a, a mongoose and rattlesnake fight. Oh, I remember. Okay, I remember. So there's this. a rattlesnake and mongoose fight, and then um, I'm, I'm not sure how they did that. I kind of don't want to know. Um, Pretty mean to that poor mongoose or rattlesnake, whoever yeah. whoever lost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that there was no venom in the snake, and they just... What's that line from that Hannibal show where he's like, you're the mongoose I want under my house when the snakes slither by? Wait, what's that from? Hannibal. From Eric Andre show? No, no, from Hannibal Lecter, the show oh, with oh, the oh, Mads oh, Mikkelsen. Oh, 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 okay, okay. So, uh, 
a Eddie... Morpheus rap on Eric Andre's So they, they have a fight, and there's a guy named Jack Wilson, Jack Watson, Jack Poopson, I don't know. Some guy who has been um, beating the shit out of people on the East Coast, and, and he, he beats them so bad that they're crippled or dead or vegetables. Um, a bad dude. And then there are some people who've heard about this Philo Veto out west. So right. the mob bosses, the, the plot of this movie is they're going to set up a fight between Philo and this other guy. And it's whether or not Philo is actually going to go through with it. We know he's going to go through with it, but they throw out a, a bunch of roadblocks to stretch this movie out to an interminable two hours. Um, it's like a musical because there's I, musical numbers <laughs> in this stupid thing. There are? Yes. Oh, my God. Um, so Sandra Locke is at a bar singing. So this is what I hated was in the last movie. Yeah. Something that was so great about it is that the entire movie he was trying to save her. And she never wanted to be saved in the first place. She was yes. conning him the whole time. Yes. And what a great ending that was. Yeah. We can agree on that. And so what? What? what is this? She just was like kidding or she's just like, it's the laziest writing. She's just like, oh, I feel kind of bad about hurting you. And he's like, no, it's okay. And they're like, fine. Like what? What happens? Like It's like, yeah, she's singing in a bar and he's like, you didn't tell me she was going to be here. And he's like, whoa. And Clyde's like, oh, it's maybe. It's so lazy, isn't it? Yeah. And then she's like. Um, yeah, you're right. She's like, I I'm sorry for what I did, you know, and then he drops her off at the YWCA and what? then you miss this part. Dude. Holy shit. What Dude. happens? Dude. Um, Dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, uh, anyway, so <laughs> she's staying at the YWCA cause she's gotten rid of her pimp apparently. Okay. Um, and there is a, a really strange scene where Eastwood goes – is driving back after dropping her off and says, ah, you, you got to do it. And then he goes back and he goes into the YWCA and then the lady's like, you can't go in there. It's women only. And he's like, that's okay. It's okay. And he walks up there and then they call the police. Um, what? He goes to her room <laughs> and then <laughs> he goes to her room and then the cops arrive and they open her door and she's like lying there and no one else is there because – not a clever hiding space. He was just lying on the floor. What? And and then and then <laughs> the cop and then the cops afterwards in the hallway with all these uh, women at the YWCA are like, <laughs> they're like, all these women, um, women. And then the ladies are like, all these men. They think we lust after their bodies. And then a lady wearing a, a mask, like a face mask, kisses one of them. And she's like, some of us do. And the cops are like, uh, are you serious? Does this really happen? Yes. Or are, you, are you messing with me? Yeah. And then, no, Sandra the Locke fuck? and Clint Eastwood, they're in the truck. And then the cops come and they see them. And then the cop gets in the car and they're going to chase him. But the co cop in the driver's seat's like, oh, my God, because Clyde shit in the police car. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> what? We also get a Fats Domino appearance at, at uh, the bar who follows up Sandra Locke and sings a country song. I don't know. Um, so th this gets into one of the most awkward scenes in this movie. And this both this movie has two of the most awkward scenes in all of Clint Eastwood's filmography, which right. is saying a lot. Right, right, right. Um, he puts her up in his room and goes to sleep in the the garage or the, the the makeshift barn that Clyde sleeps in. Yeah. Um she comes in in the middle of the night and lays next to him. Clyde is sleeping next 
to Philo, Clint Eastwood, with his big meaty orangutan paw on his shoulder, like they're spooning. Um, Sunderlock gets in, and then Clint Eastwood says to Clyde, no looking. The fuck? Wait, is this... <laughs> How did this ever get made? I don't like... know. I don't know. I, I kind of feel bad that I missed some of this, because it sounds hilarious. <laughs> No, I don't remember any of this at all. And the room that he puts her up in is really funny because uh, there's like a, a gun rack in there. And it's like <laughs> filled with rifles. The fuck! It's like Chekhov's gun, but they never they never come back to it except Ruth Gordon in the first one shooting the the Black Widows. Oh yeah. Hey, do you remember the Black Widows? I do. Do you remember the fanfare they're introduced with? Wow! 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 Yeah. Wow! 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 Classic. They they are still at war with uh, Philo. Yeah, this lovable gang of Nazis. <laughs> I don't understand their point in these movies. Do you understand? No. Like, they... basically, they only have the Iron Cross that you know they're bad guys, right? Yes. Like, it never comes up that they're Nazis. No. And also, at the end of this, they're supposed to be, like, lovable and, like, it just doesn't make any sense, does it? No. So, um... By this point, Philo has accepted a $10,000 down payment to fight um, Schmorkle, Dickel, whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> and he is working out and he like jogs. Again, he jogs in his jeans. Jeans, yeah. Which is total I know, badass. I saw that. Pretty so cool. <laughs> jogging in jeans. And oh, and then this random dude shows up, right? With a mustache? Yeah, it's, it's totally um, Schmorkle, the, the guy that he's supposed to fight. And But so he's, he's, like, he's like pretending he's not. He's just like a guy. He's like sizing him up, and then um, they run into a they're, quarry. They're jogging at a quarry, and then and, Schmorkel falls. Schmorkel falls, and yeah. then Philo <laughs> helps him up, and that's he the owes name him of the one. quarry. Schmorkel falls. <laughs> Schmorkel falls. <laughs> uh, that sounds like a, a town in one of those um, romantic supernatural mysteries. Schmorkel falls. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wrote this because I was inspired by reading Twilight. Twilight's <laughs> <laughs> oh, pretty good. Um. So later, Schmorkel joins uh, Philo and the gang, listening to Sonderlock sing, and then there's a, um, a, a yokel oh, in the audience. Oh, does a bar fight happen? Yeah, there's a yokel that says, hey, why don't you get someone who can sing? And then uh, that leads to a fight. So um, right. Philo fights a few people, and uh, Schmorkel sizes him up going, hey, nice moves. And then uh, Schmorkel jumps in, and he beats people up, and... They make it like Eastwood knew all along that it was really the guy he was supposed to fight. So they have kind of a, a bond and a mutual respect very early in the movie. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it borders on, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it borders on some stuff that was in Escape from Alcatraz. Anyway. Um, and then Schmorkel actually realizes that uh, Eastwood's character likes pain. He says, you like pain. Like... Yeah, why, why do you think I'm a fucking street fighter, dude? Of course I like pain. Like, is <laughs> a little bit of a raging bull situation? Yeah, perhaps? it's it's like it's like it's supposed to be something that we're concerned about or a character moment, but it 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 doesn't. Um, interesting, interesting. Uh, so Eastwood's character wants to give the money back. He doesn't want to fight. He's decided against it. He's he likes pain. Why? Because it's just not gonna. It's not a good idea. Why? Because they talk him out of it. Oh, okay. Because the guy's too dangerous and he kills people. Oh, okay. Um, he gives the money back to one of the mob boss guys and he tells him to get out of there. And then the guy doesn't. And then he has Clyde 
tear apart the guy's caddy. Oh, I remember this. So the guy... they and keep, the guy's trying to drive off, right? They, they keep cutting to the guy trying to put his key in the ignition, and then they cut to Clyde, like, tearing the door off, tearing the fender out. Yeah, tearing yeah, the, yeah. Tearing the hood up, and they keep cutting to the guy continually trying to get... Yes! It's like... It, <laughs> it's like five seconds it would take for him to get the key in, but they totally. keep cutting back to Clyde, tearing apart the car. That would take hours. Um, and then he drives back with the car all smashed, like, womp womp. Wait, wait what are the um, Nazis doing? Like, w- what's their place in this movie? Well, they, they find Philo a couple times. Did you see the part where the they get covered in tar? I saw that. Okay, yeah, there's a scene where... Um, and then, he, then they're frozen, and he drops them off at, like, a mental institution or something? Well, what happens is they, you know, they're, they're chasing him, and then he leads them into a construction site. Oh, by the way... I have to say, Buddy Van Horn, for being such an indistinct non-entity as a director, with as far as character, pace, anything, yeah. he does have a signature shot. What is it? It is the stuntman with his legs spread far apart, gesturing one way or another, and then jumping out of the way as a car goes by. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, the, that's the, totally the, true. Yeah, the furtive... Uh, yeah. Oh, no, what am I doing? It's like, whoop, 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 whoop. No, that was in both these movies. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, um... Buddy Van Horn excels at the stuntman going, which way do I go? Jump out of the way at the last second. Any which way you can. Yes. <laughs> Jump out of the way any which way you can. Um, okay. Yeah, so they, they get covered in street tar or something, which would have killed all of them, by the way. <laughs> yes. But what it ends up doing is like freezing or hardening on them. So they all fall down and they're like, we're going to get you, Beto. And then he takes them to a hospital with a, a tow truck. And it he says, it doesn't says make they owe him 40 or... bucks. Um, holy shit. Anyway. Um, so bad. Then we cut to one of, I don't know if you woke up, but um, my my girlfriend, well, my fiance. Oh, wait, you guys are getting married? Yes. Dude, I keep forgetting about that. Yeah, so she was watching this. I don't know why she, she watched this movie. I don't know what's wrong with her. Anyway, but this <laughs> next, this this next this sequence, project? she must have woken you up. Because she was like, nope, nope, uh-uh, uh-uh. Wait, is it the rape banana? That's the start of it. Okay. This whole sequence starts <laughs> with them going to a um, a zoo in Bakersfield. Because Clyde had a newspaper he was looking at. That had oh, of like a hot woman, yeah, or a hot orangutan, and okay. So I feel he, like I remember some of this. He takes Clyde in there, and he has like something, uh, um, a needle, and a rape banana with something in it. Yes, yeah, and he's yeah, like, yeah. He's like, okay, well, well, you just give this to her, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll get her out, and you know, do your business. And then Clyde accidentally injects himself, knocks himself out, so Philo has to go. Anyway, it cuts. He has to roofie an orangutan, right? Yes, for Clyde to get get his rocks off. Very um, bad, very bad content. I think very bad. Um, yeah, pretty awful. So they go to a motel. Sure. Um, <laughs> they go to a motel, and um, Clyde has a room with the girl orangutan. Sandra Locke and Clint Eastwood have a room. And it's like the it's like parallels, right? And then they ha- there's a third couple, this elderly couple um from the Midwest who is like, ooh, Los Angeles. Ugh. They're okay. next door and one of yeah. them's played by Mama from Throw Mama from the Train and something else. No idea what you're talking about. So Clyde is is his foreplay is tearing apart the motel room? 
Yeah. He's like throwing a desk at a wall or something, right? Yes. And then the other couple is like annoyed. Yes. And then, um, and then Clint Eastwood, he's hanging from the ceiling on a yeah. chandelier. Yeah. So Sandra Locke is like, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe what Clyde's doing works. And he says, oh, you like that. And then he gets on the chandelier. And it's like, he's like a monkey. He's like a monkey. And then the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the greatest the, movie ever made. The angry couple next door, like we're, we're packing, getting out of here. Yeah. And the, um, as this elderly woman is <laughs> oh, packing that's her, right. yeah. she's packing her stuff and, and her husband is looking at her nightgown clad rear end <laughs> and then it flashes to like some jungle go-go dancer that he is seeing so he's getting randy about it oh yeah 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 okay so wh- what happens is we get the the, the girl <laughs> ape reaches out for clyde we cut to sonderlog reaching out for <laughs> philo beto <laughs> and yeah. then we have and then we have um, Throw Mama from the Train reaching out to her husband. Yes. It's a three-couple sex <laughs> scene. It's, uh, but wait. Is this possibly the worst no. sequence in all of these movies? It, it, it doesn't end there. Right, there's because there's the mob bosses, The mob right? bosses come to uh, force Philo to, to do the fight, and um, only Ruth Gordon and Jeffrey Lewis are there. They knock Jeffrey Lewis out, and then after finding out where they went... With to, a banana? With a... <laughs> to a motel in Bakersfield. So she jumps in the tow truck and drags this VW bug all the way to Bakersfield, destroying the VW bug. She gets there and finds the proprietor of the motel peeking in one of the windows. We don't know which one. It could, If it was the ape ones, that would be pretty weird. <laughs> um, and then he he's like, hey, baby. And she like punches him or kicks him in the nuts. And then she realizes this is the first time in years anybody's been interested so she tells him she's going to go wait in the office. What? And somehow she has like a kimono or something she's wearing. And then the, the old uh, motel proprietor comes in and I, he looks at her as she's talking. And then he flashes to um, Bo Derek from 10 running on the beach because that's how he is seeing her. And and he's getting all, all randy and stuff because he, he wants to, to, to do it. And then it cuts to... Bo Derek in the scene from 10 running on the beach. And I shit you not, they superimpose. Oh, yeah, her face Ruth is on it. Okay. Holy Bo shit. Derek's body. I cannot believe that this movie is real. Like, this was such a fever dream to be like half awake through. It was the same being fully awake. <laughs> oh my god. What the fuck were they thinking when they made this? Oh, brother. Um,. Man, I'm so glad you were awake during this because mm-hmm. not remember any of this shit. So the Jeffrey Lewis then follows, and they they all end up at the motel with the mob boss. Um, Sunderlock gets kidnapped, so that that's the impetus for them to make him do the fight. Okay, um, interesting. Uh, that also cuts to the Black Widows. Wah, 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 wah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are all bald and hairless now because the tar had been taken off and they all have a collection of, well, clown wigs and shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, That's right. the head of the Black Widows says this immortal lines, mortal line, I will chew on Philo Beto's ass for my last supper. <laughs> Sweet. I don't know if he's going to spit it out or if right. he's just going to chew on it, but um, very interesting phrase yeah 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 Uh uh-huh no that guy so the fight's on it's 
in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, but it's also <gasps> referred to as Jackson. Wait, Jackson um, Hole, Wyoming? Yeah. Dude, have you heard of the Jackson Hole live stream? No. There has been a YouTube live stream going for years of a traffic camera yeah. at a junction in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Oh, I have heard about this. It's so fun. I pop in there every once in a while. Anyway, sorry. Good town. Um. Anyway, everybody's going to Jackson. We also cut to some, uh, some Jackson. good old yokels playing guitar and going to bet a lot of money. And then the, the guys that kidnap Sondra Locke are also in deep with another mom. It's it's very convoluted. It has to do with... I, I don't know how betting works. Jackson. I'm 50 and I have no idea how betting works. But I don't either. There's, there's I've a, never understood there's it. There's a lot of talk about betting. I like straight up betting, like one person wins, one person loses. I but like that. when you put money in and there's other people and there's a pool, like how does that work? I don't know. I don't it's know. like, a, have you ever seen that movie, um, The Flip and the Eyes? What's that one called? Wake and Fright? Yeah. Like how does that work? I don't know. But he loses all his money. Yeah. And he's stuck. Australia. Uh, through all of this, uh, let's talk about Buddy Van Horn's direction. Right. Um, shows... Or lack thereof. Eh? Is very lazy. It's like a Jim Wynorski level of of skill. And it's weird seeing, like, the most popular movie star in the world, Clint Eastwood, appearing in something that is so sloppily made. Sure, with, yeah. With no, from scene to scene, that you, you never really feel like there's anything going on than what's literally going on. There's nothing behind anything. And I, I know that's part of the thing because it's a kid's movie, supposedly. Um, but there are plenty of movies made for kids that are way deeper. Yeah, than I mean, this. it's so surface level. It's like he's starting to enjoy the pain. I mean, that that's as far as any characterization yes. goes in this entire it's a, Like two movie. lines of people saying that, but you never see it at And then all. there's the bromance between um, Philo and Schmorkel. Um, right. Who, they, um, they become friends, don't they? So this guy, he, he's been an actor. Um, I forget his name. I probably look it up here. I, I had his in my, my notes here. Um, so th- this Smorkle guy. Smorkle Falls, the Smor- actor. Smorkle Falls, the actor. He, uh, William Smith is his name. Um, that is like not, the most generic name you can come up with. Not a lot of credits, but he was. And he, I mean, he. I'm not saying he was, but this is 1980. Every scene he's in, he always looks like he has the drunk sweats. Like he's just come yeah. from a bender and he's like sweating yeah. out alcoholic toxins every scene. I'm not saying he did. I'm sure he's a wonderful man, great father, whatever. But He had a great face too. He did. He kind of looked like um, – he kind of reminded me a little bit with his mustache of Charles Bronson. Like they wanted a Charles Bronson type. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Charles Bronson, it would have been the a great – it would have been a great... murderer or the actor? Yes. Both. <laughs> but that, that would have been great if it was actually Charles Bronson, because it seems yeah. like that's what they were going for. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what do we have? We have all the people showing up in Jackson. In and Jackson. 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 I'm going to snowball for Jackson. Jackson. Great song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Schmorkle. Um, uh, meets Clint Eastwood jogging again in his jeans. As really? He does again. Yeah. Okay. And he's like, "What? What? They have your girlfriend?" And Schmorkel's like, "I'm going to help you." Um. So, Schmorkel, Jeffrey Lewis, and um, they go to the hotel and they beat up some guys and and what? Jeff- Jeffrey Lewis gets shot. What? Um. So they're bros now, and they kind of want to call off the fight. <laughs> so then what? 
So <laughs> that, that, that's the end of the movie. No, um, Wait, what? No, it's oh, not. Okay. So the the Black Widows are there. Apparently, they're there to bet money on Philo because oh, they, they, there's them? there's a scene where it's like, hey, boss, why why are we betting on? I thought we hated him. He says we hate him, but that's personal. This is business, and I right. think he's going to win. Totally, totally. And then there's a subplot with the two mob guys that that kidnapped her, and and they're betting money that they can't cover. I don't really care about these subplots. No. So they're going to call it off. But then, then after everybody's about to leave town, much like the end of Rocky Three with Apollo Creed and Rocky, they decide to see who really would have won. So they go to a barn and um, they start fighting. And then these little kids wearing Bronco Billy t-shirts. So there's an extended universe here. Wait, does Bronco Billy have like a twin brother that's Philo then? Yeah, because he doesn't look... Jeffrey Lewis and Eastwood are supposed to be brothers, and they look nothing alike. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so uh, the, some kids find it, and then a cop comes by and says, Hey, you kids, what are you doing? Whoa, they're fighting. And he's like, the fight's on, the fight's on. And then everybody gets the message that the fight is on. But in not one single scene does anybody say where it is. But somehow everybody knows. Maybe Jackson's small. I don't know. Right. Um, it is a hole. So. Ooh, there yeah. you go. So everybody shows up. Did you hear and... the one about the mouse that uh, that uh, had a friend stay over? No. He's like, sorry about the place. It's just a hole in the wall. Anyway, um, what happens? There's a big fight, and everybody, the entire town comes. Um, sure. I think they, they spent two whole days shooting this fight in, in Jackson, which seems like a luxury for a Clint Eastwood movie. Um, if anybody's ever been in a fight or ever done anything exerting activity, swinging your arms and stuff, there's like zero it, – it stretches the laws of physical endurance to a comedic breaking point where there's no way they can keep punching each other like that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's impossible, and after a while, it's so stupid, it's just like, eh. And at one point, the, the mob is going to try and shoot Philo, and then the Black Widows find him, and then they they kick their asses. Um, it's really weird. Uh, they end up in a, in a restaurant, and um, Schmorkel breaks Philo's right arm. And so um, Beto has to fight the rest of the fight one-handed. And of course, he beats him, but they're still bros. There's a real bromance going on between these two. It's it's kind of weird. Okay. Um, so uh, presumably this time he's quit for good. Um, <laughs> Jeffrey Lewis was in the hospital and he's shacking up with a nurse. He's going to stay there. Um, what else happens? Oh, the the, 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 black the, black, widows. the Black Widows are in a limo as they're driving out of town. Sonderlock, Philo, and, they say and Clyde. Philo for president. They say Philo for president. So they're like his bros now. But they're still Nazis. They're still Nazis. And then... Uh, One, Hunter, Nazi, scalps. The end of the movie is in the desert, and the cop he beat up at the starting of the movie, because everything is circular, is has been um, exiled to work oh, in the yeah. desert. And he's like, I'm out here because of you, and I'm going to take your monkey in because he doesn't have his shots or something. And then Sonderlock's like, right turn, Clyde. And Clyde punches him out cold, and they drive off, and that's the end of the movie. Best movie ever made. Whew. Better than The Road Warrior. Holy shit. I Just going over this plot, it, it makes no sense. This is like a fever dream yeah. of a fever dream. Uh, I can confidently say that 
Maybe if I had watched the whole thing, I'd feel different, but this is probably one of the worst so that they, we've watched so far. Th these movies were so popular that um, they were going to make a third one. Um, what was the name of... Uh, Joseph Stimson? Stinson, I think his name is. He worked with Eastwood on Sudden Impact and City Heat, the movies he made prior to that. And this was kind of be... Uh, well, they were looking for another movie for Sandra Locke and Clint Eastwood to be in. They were still trying to save their relationship at this point. Um... The movie ended up not getting made, even though they were really close to making it, because, um, what's her name? Ruth Gordon died in, in late 1985, so uh, the movie never got made. Interesting. But um, on the, the Clint Eastwood wiki, there is a pretty detailed synopsis of it. Ooh, let's go over it. Okay. First of all, um, in this one, Clyde and the, the girl orangutan are shacked up and they have a baby orangutan. What? No. Um, Sandra Locke is, is still singing for some reason, and she is recording an album in, in Nashville. She's recording an album in Nashville and, um, Orville was like her roadie and he shacked up with some roadie woman. Um, and the, the main part of the story is Eastwood and Clyde. They're part of the stories. They go visit, um, a zoo in some rural place out there um, because Clyde has a father and Clyde meets what? his father orangutan. What? No. Yeah. And then the, the lady who runs the orangutan department, um, Philo is kind of like, he kind of likes her. So the, the tension of the movie is Sonderlock and, and her music producer. And then um, I'm presuming there would be a lot of music people that come in. Right. So um, Ruth Gordon was going to reconnect with Philo and Orville's dad, and um, Roy Rogers, the cowboy, <gasps> was going to play their dad. No way. Um, so we never got to see that. Oh, that would have been good, right? Yeah. And then um, the Black Widows, um, the, the main actor from it, um, he passed away. So they were going to cast someone to come in and at his funeral. It was going to be like a tough guy who was going to take him out to the desert and train them to get Philo for good. Oh, yeah? But they were going to still fuck up. Um, okay. So that would have been good. Um, what else was... Oh, um, Philo asks Orville if he knows anybody out in the the, um, the Nashville area to... Because um, Eastwood was really into music. He made Honky Tonk Man, Sunderlock, um, cut an album, I think. Um, he asks if he could set up a fight because he wants to make some money for the, the zoo. Mm -hmm. um, do, 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 do. That's pretty much it. And anyway, the, the main part of the movie, you know, the Black Widows, they attack the recording studio and they, they, get, they get beaten up by the, you know. Um, Sounds stupid. It does it? Yeah. I just made it all up. What? Yes. No. Yes, I made it all up. No. I did. You didn't make that all up. I did. No, that was. Nope. That was true. Never existed. I made it all up. Oh my God. Podcast over. <laughs> Fuck you. That That sucks. <laughs> What? The Roy Rogers thing, too? Yeah, I mean, All no. that was made up? Ruth Gordon did die in 1985. That gave me a reason they didn't make the movie. <laughs> Podcast over. I hate you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is like the Matrix when he takes the red pill. And he wakes up <laughs> in that goo bath. Yes. I gotta pee so bad. Just... <laughs> okay. You're the worst podcast co-host. <laughs> Well, I'm going to get a drink then. Either which way you go. Third movie never ever made. Third movie. Either which way you go.
We still going? And we're back, yeah. Either which way you go, it's oh. a real movie. Was that the third one? Either which way you go? Yeah. Aw, oh, man. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out a title for a third one. You're like one of those prank YouTube channels where they're like, I had a miscarriage prank edition. I got my boyfriend to watch the full video. <laughs> you know those? Anyway, let's do some Amazon reviews. Oh, because there are no Google reviews for this movie? Yeah, surprisingly. It's like, come on, people. Bust um, it out, man. Allison Burke gives it five stars and titles the review, Any Which Way You Can DVD. I returned this movie as it was a duplicated order, but the movie is still great. I would highly recommend this movie. Tops gives it five stars and says, More monkey mania! <laughs> <laughs> More from Clint and Clyde, just as enjoyable as the first time. Mm. Ralph Chesswas gives it one stars and says, Rubbish. Wrong DVD in cave. Disappointed as it was a present. <laughs> um, How do you get electricity in a cave? <laughs> uh, Marcus McCready gives it five stars and says, Five stars. Brilliant. And Patty3519 says five stars. Very good. So overwhelmingly positive on Amazon. Well, I, I do have to say compared to the, ori the original is just such a, a, a weird movie. I think it's because the guy wrote it and Eastwood pretty much just had it made as it was. Mm -hmm. And this movie having been built from what worked in the first one, it, it, it hits all the typical sequel stuff. Right. Uh, and... I know this one is is generally looked on a little a little better because it it has I don't know they're it's both terrible it, yeah they're they're bad movies um, I think this one is worse just because it, it is it's it, undeniable it undoes and it undoes the the only good parts of the first one which was the ending I I totally agree. and the the date rape banana stuff I mean Ugh, <laughs> so tasteless so gross um, let's can we go forward in time. This movie oh, was yeah. 1980, and um, going forward in time is not going very far anymore because we're getting closer to the end of this movie. Yes! We have five episodes left, right? Uh, something like that. Five, one, four? two, three, oh, right four, there. five. Yeah. Yeah. Five. Yeah. Woo! Uh, this is Pink Cadillac, and this is the third of the Buddy Van Horn-directed Clint Eastwood movies in the 1980s. The next one is in two episodes, I think is Deadpool. Mm-hmm. And Honky Tonk Man. Oh, Patrick said he was going to do Honky Tonk Man, so he's he's stuck with the Batty Van Horn, too. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah, someone will share our pain. Yeah. Anyway, do you have any uh, background on this movie? Oh, do I? Mayhaps. Yes. Perhaps. Okay. So, Pink Cadillac. Who do you think of when you think of Pink Cadillac? Elvis Presley. Yeah? Elvis Presley and Eastwood filmed uh, next door to one another in the 1960s in studios. And they struck up a friendship because Elvis Presley loved to twirl guns around. Yeah. And Eastwood was always wearing a gun. So they struck up a little friendship there. Oh. There you go. Was it like the um, the the guy who ran the uh, asylum in Bronco Billy who let them stay there if Bronco Billy yeah. taught him how to... Okay. It's exactly like that. Okay. Um... Real-life couple Clint Eastwood and Frances Fisher met on the set of this movie. Oh. Interestingly enough. She would go on to play Strawberry Alice. There we go. Um, there's a pink Cadillac cocktail, one half ounce Giolano, one and a one half ounces Chambord, two ounces sweet and sour syrup, one ounce and a half and three ounces of vodka, 
And that's what you need to get through this movie, am I right? <laughs> Three ounces, maybe not enough. Um, some stuff, uh, yeah, mostly boring stuff. There isn't really anything interesting about this movie. Um, can I share my thoughts on this real quick? Because I feel like we might have differing opinions on this. This might be one where we argue. Can, do, can we, can I tell my story of when I first saw it? Okay, go ahead. Go so ahead. that there, this, this is kind of a sad one in some ways. Because watching it yesterday with my son, I realized this was the last Clint Eastwood movie mm. I saw with my dad back in 1989. Aww. No. Um, so, anyway, anyway um, whoever had screened the movie before they ran it, we saw it on opening day, I think the first showing, because my dad was a super fan, um, had run it backwards. So, the, the sound... Uh, where, uh, so, the sound reader on the projector scratched the film so on one side of the the frame was a green line of a scratched print throughout the entire movie and somehow they also fucked up the sound so there was like an incessant squeal so my memory of this movie is a fucking headache holy shit a fucking headache because there was a whine that they could not do anything about and there was a green a big green line in half this was in medford oregon by the way if you're a listener in Medford, Oregon, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm it's a great sorry. town. I love Medford. Oh. Fantastic thrift stores. Yeah. And well, some good vegan places, too. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's not my experience back in the day, but... Well, you know, it's changed a bit, Dad. Times are changing. Okay. And uh, this movie... Has also- this movie changed with the times? Well, I want to hear what you have to say about it, and I have I have some, uh, some things about Clint Eastwood's total career and what this movie represents because this is kind of the end of his um cracker comedy sequence of his career which started out probably with the gauntlet or every which way but loose and a lot of the movies he made until this one were were kind of in that same genre right of the cracker comedy um even a lot of the same actors jeffrey lewis in all of them yeah um and this kind of last one because there are none after this movie that really fall into that comedy action troupe um, I mean, the rookie maybe a little bit, but yeah, not not really the same. Yeah, this is really the end of an era. Totally. Anyway, your thoughts? If you say masterpiece, I swear to God, I'm getting up and walking this out. This is a masterpiece. <laughs> Shut up. This is like the Citizen Kane of Eastwoods. No, no, no. Okay, so <laughs> the first. Okay, so my first like real note when the movie started was, "Holy shit, this sucks!" But <laughs> as it kept going, here's the thing. Here's yes, the thing. Yes. I was silent for about an hour of this film. I think from about the five minute to maybe an hour and 15 minute mark, uh-huh. this is a very good film. Not just not just a good movie, but like a very good movie that has the potential to be great. Hmm. At a certain sequence in the middle, which we'll get to, it completely falls apart. And for some goddamn reason, halfway through this goddamn movie, it throws all logic out the window. It throws away everything great that it was setting up. And it becomes... One of the worst movies we have watched through this entire podcast. So you you like the the setup with? Oh man, I love it. The first hour or so, of this movie is really great. It's well shot. It's well acted. The plot is great. It's really engaging, and it just fucking throws it out the window. It is bizarre. This is a crazy movie. Okay, well uh, let's go over the plot, and okay. then you can tell me at which point. I think I know which. You point. know which scene. Yes. You know which scene. <laughs> okay. Clint Eastwood plays a skip tracer, and um, it opens with him um, 
doing a character on the phone of getting a guy to think that he's going to have dinner with Dolly Parton. And this is the part that I thought sucked. Um, so he's doing a bit and he does a bit a couple times in the movie and it, you know, I mean, I like White Hunter Blackheart, which is a bit of an affectation on his part of his acting personality, but mm-hmm. these scenes are, are painful because. Oh yeah, he's terrible. Yeah. Uh, wait till he, uh, puts tobacco in his. Uh, I kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, so, uh, Bernadette Peters plays the long-suffering girlfriend to a meek member of a white supremacist organization called Birthright. In a fantastically and, tense scene, I thought, in the trailer. Yeah, where they're all cackling at her. And Bernadette Peters, she was 41 when this movie was made, and Eastwood would have been 58. <laughs> so, age-wise, it's not the worst that we've seen. <laughs> totally. Um, Bernadette Peters is uh, adorable. Um She's really great in this. Great, great personality. Great character actress. Um, this movie, is she... A weird thing about this movie is they they cut from her in the trailer and the guy, the white supremacist guy is planning some exchange of counterfeit money or real yeah. money or whatever. And it, it cuts to later it, after a raid had occurred, but we never see the raid right. that makes her about to go to jail. And then she skips bail, and that that's the story. I thought story. that was pretty interesting. Um, I don't know. I thought it was pretty cheap because yeah, it's maybe. an important sequence to show the danger she is in. I like they, that. They I just like skipped that, over it. I like that cut, though, uh, from it, that to the courthouse. I, I enjoyed I, that. I, I did, too. Okay. Okay. Um, the setup for the story, yeah, with her, and there's the counterfeit money in the pink Cadillac. Take a drink. Whoa. Yeah, if I if you had to take a drink every time someone says pink Cadillac in this, yeah, you'd uh, have taken a few drinks by the end. So the I actually I wrote nice cut to trial. Yeah, they keep chuckling. Ug, the the birthright in the trailer. They keep chuckling like uh, really awful. Um, yeah, and then I wrote nice cut to trial with the judge who played the library guy from Escape from Alcatraz. There you go, another collab, which was ten years earlier and was the last Don Siegel collaboration. That Clint Eastwood had. And this is the last Buddy Van Horn as director collaboration Eastwood had. So it all comes together. Right. And then, so Eastwood gets the assignment because she's... (laughs) (laughs) That's my thoughts on this movie summed up. She skips out on bail. And Eastwood gets the assignment from this weird John Malkovich looking dude to go hunt her down. Yeah. Um, Walmart John Malkovich. Yeah. I still don't know what bail bonds are. Like, I watched the movie Good Time, the Safdie Brothers. I still don't understand it. Like, do you get it? What are bail bonds? Um, I, I, I would look up on Wikipedia to get a good explanation for it. I have done that. I understand, I, the, understand. I understand the basic concept, but given the fact that I've never been arrested right. or needed bail. It's um, like bail bonds and the electoral college are two things I don't understand. <laughs> So uh, when she gets home, she she asks for the her rent back from a William Hickey type looking guy. It might have been William Hickey. I don't know. He's basically playing Harry Dean. Oh, here here is where I wrote the note: Van Horn signature shot. Guys confused, jumping away from oncoming cars. Oh, so I there did you make go. Yeah, that's yeah. in this movie too. Yeah, and it, we get it to comes see... up again at the end. Yeah, and then we yeah a lot at the end. <laughs> 
This is basically the unforgiven of people jumping out of the way of cars. <laughs> or confused, or going <laughs> one way or the other before deciding which way they yes. jump. It's the confused hand. It's the jazz hands of stunt work where... Yep, yep. <laughs> so, um, she has... this a... the point where I started writing down, like, oh, interesting, this movie's going a good direction. Right? Yeah, so the, the weird part of this movie is the, the she has a baby, but the, the baby is often off camera. It's like they don't want they don't want her and a baby. It's always like it's yeah. with it's with my sister, played by Frances Fisher, or which is actually pretty good casting for sisters Bernadette Peters and Frances Fisher. Yeah. They look like they could be sisters. There you go. And they have red hair. That's about it. But Do that, you know less enough. than one percent of people have red hair? Um that's Buddy's true. Bail Bonds. That's the, the name of the, the bail bonds place he works for. I, I read that on IMDb. Yeah. Oh, the movie is well lit. I wrote that. Jack Green does do a good job shooting yes, this movie. Very the the well scenes thought. in Reno, a lot of this movie takes place oh, in Reno, Nevada. Yes, I love the casino scenes yeah, where it's he, so like desaturated. Yeah, he he has really, really nice blacks that yes. go well with the, the bright lights. Totally, so, totally. Jack Green in this um this era did some really good stuff. Oh yeah. Love Jack Green. Big yeah. fan. Big fan. Big fan. Big fan. Big fan. Big fan. Um, so they have in warehouses on the ceilings. Um, dudes. Oh, and they, okay. So one of the things that I, I hate about this movie, which is a connection to any which way you can, yeah. is the Nazi white supremacist gang that yeah. aren't actually Nazis or white supremacists. The movie just tells you that they are so that you know they're bad oh, guys. There, there's a chalkboard on the back, which has things like minorities, black. Yes. And it's like... They're always shown in this this yes. little fake ghost town. Terrible. And I don't know if they live there, but then then they have then they have a Target which has Bernadette Peters' photo on it. It's so stupid. It and doesn't make any sense. The leader guy who has like slick back hair and a leather jacket, the least intimidating dude of all right? time, and he was like. We almost have enough money to build the arsenal of our dreams, and there is a. Full one second pause before everyone goes starts nodding and going yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah 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 it's terrible isn't it yes it doesn't make any goddamn sense I don't understand it either I don't understand what they were trying to do with this movie at all it feels like a straight to video script of that era um, where you would find it on the bottom shelf but yeah Clint Eastwood made it into a movie and it got released in theaters there you go so. Uh, I know Reno is billed as the biggest little city in the West or whatever it is, but literally Clint Eastwood's character finds the pink Cadillac After five one second, seconds yes. of being in Reno. He so looks in an alleyway funny. and then there's a pink Cadillac. Um, so funny. Really stretches uh, credulity there. We get a Jim Carrey cameo. That's right. Jim Carrey does an Elvis impersonation. He was also in Deadpool, which we're getting to in a couple movies. So Buddy Van Horn is responsible for Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey as himself. Yeah. I like Jim Carrey. Yeah. Skin like Velveeta. Mm, That was a line. Who who was talking? Was he talking to her? No, that was some dude talking to To her. That's right. You're talking to me? Yeah. Skin like Velveeta. And then she gets flashed at some point. That's later, isn't it? It's later. Yeah. So at the, this is the point when I was writing down, this is a good movie. I uh-huh. like this movie. Yeah. And I stopped taking notes because the whole stuff with, so he finds her and then he takes her to go to Sacramento yeah. and the car breaks down. So they have to go back to get the Cadillac yeah. and then he gets an assignment to arrest another dude. Yeah. And so then they team up. 
and they kind of become partners. And that is the part where I was like, this is really good, and if they try to turn this into a romance thing, yeah. then this movie is over. It's done. Yeah, well, And they I, do. I, I wrote, becomes buddy-buddy with no setup. It's just like, he's yeah, she's but, with him, yeah, and then but, he's like, well, we could become partners. Yeah, but it's good. Mm-hmm. It's still good. Yeah. Uh, so Eastwood, at this point, has her... She's supposed to do something she doesn't even do, so she's a terrible partner. But he dresses up in a gold lame jacket. Yes, he has the mustache. Puts on a little Sam Peckinpah yes. mustache. Classic. Um, kind of funny. Actually. It is funny. Is, that after scene watching, is funny. watching all these Eastwoods, seeing him do that is, is it's hilarious. Pretty, pretty funny. Yeah, I, I will give you that. Yeah. Um, that's when the flasher comes up to the car. And right. He flashes, and he opens up his coat, and he says, "What do you think?" And then she says. It looks like a penis, only smaller. Classic. Great. Bernadette Peters line there. Very funny. <laughs> there's um, a bit of a car chase through the streets of Reno. Or a, one car driving. Oh, yeah. The, and he stood on top the of The foot it. chase is so slow. And then he jumps on the roof of the car. This is like the blood work foot chase. Yes. Over again. Yes. It's like him jogging in any which way you can, but it's supposed to have alacrity in chasing someone down. Totally. Low, low, low stakes. Who? Oh yeah! At some point, he says, "My dad fought against you." No, so yeah, that's this is another sequence that I liked. Yeah. Is two of the Nazis, including the the mild one, yeah, uh, show up to Bernadette Peters's oh. sister's house. Yeah, with who has the baby? And one dude's uh, snorting uh, amphetamines off a knife, and he's like talking to Bernadette Peters' sister's husband. He's like everyone should be like us or something. And he's like, I know what you guys are for. My pop fought against it in World War II. Yeah. Cold as shit. Yeah. Great line. That's some good 2021 shit right there. Oh, yeah. Except now it would be my grandfather fought against. Yes. Yeah. Or maybe even great-grandfather. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the baby's yeah. taken uh, with Roy. Roy is the uh, the khaki Nazi. Um, Bernadette Peters' husband, who's the meekest, mildest. He's a khaki Nazi, right? He's wearing khakis. He looks he's like he looks like convincing. he looks like an accountant who, who just stumbled into a white supremacist uh, army camp. Uh, and uh, can can you tell me the point when you think this movie falls apart completely? Because I would like to know what you think. Because I think there's a very specific point when the plot just completely fails. Is it the fake ID guy? No, it's before that. Is it when she's talking about a story of giving birth? No, that's a pretty good scene, actually. It's a good scene. Oh, we we right before that we didn't talk about the uh, the fits that they're they're wearing. In oh the man, sweet fits, yeah. Oh, Bernadette Peters has this tassel jacket. Tassel jacket. Woo! And then she she also has this red dress, which is referenced at the end of the movie for no particular reason. Um, and then uh, at the end of this movie, the Clint's wearing a sweet denim jacket. Oh yeah, yeah. sweet denim. Yeah. So anyway, so the point that I think it falls apart is when. They show up to the house. Yeah. There's a very tenseless, supposed to be tense scene with yeah. the baby and everything. And the the Nazis steal the baby yes. and run after Clint Eastwood shoots the coke dude. Yeah. And they don't go after them. And you as the viewer are thinking, oh, they took the keys to the pink Cadillac. They're stranded there. Yes. And then it fucking cuts to the next morning and they're calmly driving off in the pink Cadillac to go after the Nazis. Yes. Why the hell didn't they just go after them? There's no explanation. 
There's no reasoning. It's just lazy filmmaking. It's just straight up just lazy. There's no other way to describe it. Mm -hmm. That's awful, isn't it? Yeah. And from there, the movie never recovers. Yeah. Um, Khaki Nazi Roy does wear a blue um, snap button shirt throughout the movie that I really, really liked. (laughs) Sure. Uh, So they go to a motel, um, which is run by Farmer Hoggett. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Farmer Hoggett. James Cromwell shows up. Yep. Also from L.A. Um, Confidential. Yep. Rollo um, Tomasi. So I, I wrote another motel on the run in a Clint Eastwood movie, and then I wrote in parentheses, how many others? That would be a whole episode to talk about how many motels of people either on the run or going after someone. A lot of movies. Even up to heck, Million Dollar Baby even has that shit in it. Yeah. Good, the bad, and the ugly, even. They stay at hotels, <laughs> yeah, that's right? that's true. <laughs> so I liked Fake ID Guy. I liked um, uh, Jeff Lewis. Ricky Z. Ricky Jeffrey, Z. Lew- Jeffrey Lewis in his a penult- bit, penultimate Eastwood performance. Yeah. A bit of a problem, though, when he finds the fake idea of khaki Nazi, and he's like, only one guy could have made this. Like, how the fuck do you know that? <laughs> it's Ricky Z, who is a hippie, played by Jeffrey Lewis. Who's- Sweet mullet. Or something, or wigs. Sweet mullet. Yeah. So he lives in a shack in the mountains and he makes fake IDs. Uh huh. Can I correct some of the fake IDing in this film? Yes. As an expert. Uh huh. So he comes up with names for the people for their fake IDs. Yeah. Maybe it was different back then, but like nowadays, maybe I should cut this out. Maybe I shouldn't know this, but common fake ID knowledge is that you're supposed to use your real first name and a different last name because. There are a couple risks, you know, you respond easier to your first name. First names are usually, you know, pretty common. And also, if you happen to run into someone at the store whenever you're, or whatever you're doing with your fake ID, and uh-huh. they call you by your first name, you don't want that to be, you know, a giveaway that you're using a fake to anyone that might be looking at it, right? Yeah. So the Nazis live in a ghost town in the woods for some reason. Yeah, and then um, Farmer Hoggett stores the pink Cadillac in a... And he can just... Can we talk about the scene where he just calls the Nazis? Like, they just have a phone at their Nazi camp, and he just has their number? <laughs> and then there's a, a whole thing about John A. Dickhead. It's so lazy. As a guest. Um, and then the baby explodes. Yeah, there's an exchange, <laughs> a money exchange with the baby, and then the baby is a bomb, and then it explodes. Um, and then somebody says, is it the main Nazi guy? Leather jacket Nazi says, oh, he's good. So good he has to die. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh-huh. Then, and then Eastwood has to infiltrate them, so he puts on a persona with a, a, a sweet denim jacket and a, a, a trucker hat. And yep. a bunch of tobacco. Oh, uh, well, Josie Wales. And a bit of a lisp. Yes. <laughs> it's... It's pretty great. It's kind of funny. It's but great. He, he's uh, he's all um, he all wants to you know because I don't I guess they don't know where they are so he's trying to infiltrate them. But and then, then there, he this... doesn't even like he at the end no. he doesn't even it doesn't make any sense. No, and he's just like he gets up there and he's punching dudes to knock them out. Doesn't work in real life. There's a, a scene in the bathroom where a guys peeing and they're talking. He about... pees on a cigarette. Uh, Max, I... It's so dumb. Yeah. Yeah, this movie just completely shits the bed. Yep. It falls apart at the Broke end. Broke every rule in the book. Wrote a new book. 
Um, about breaking rules. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I wrote, oh, MacGruber shit. That sounds like a line from MacGruber. Yes. Broke every rule in the book. Wrote a new book about breaking rules. Right? That sounds totally. like a MacGruber line. And they have this plan. Like, what is their plan? Like, they're going to drive up there and Eastwood is a Nazi. And then they're going to take the baby and just go? Oh, the, so the end of this movie... It doesn't the, make any sense. At the wooded compound with just Eastwood, a girl, and rescuing a baby um, reminded me of a, a Jack Reacher story, but if it was Jeff Foxworthy playing, <laughs> playing Jack Reacher, because it it's just that this exploitation genre of movie. Yes. Oh, had, that's a great... It, it, yeah. it had already been passed over by 1989, but it really started out in the 70s with Burt Reynolds and stuff, and it really felt like Eastwood got in really hard with this genre when he made Every Which Way But Loose and The Gauntlet. Um, and this is, thank God, the last exploitation right. movie of, of his career, really. It's just so bizarre, though, because they don't have a plan. It doesn't make any sense what they're trying to do. They just kind of wander in there and take the baby, and yeah. then they're getting shot at, but it's never, like, they yeah. never seem panicked about it or anything. Well, they're, and... they're driving the pink Cadillac in the the compound, and right. then the Buddy Van Horn signature shot. Guy's like, which way do I go? I'm right. jumping that way, as the car drives. Hey, can we talk about the fact that they drive off, and they don't, like, kill any of the Nazis? The leader doesn't get his comeuppance. Nothing happens. They just kind of drive off, and they're like, phew. Glad we handled that situation. How about that red dress? The end. It's so bad. Yeah, the the Nazis are really about the level of the Black Widows. Where you, they I think, are. I think when they first showed up, that was I did the sound effect for. So I'd like to talk about the the Roger Ebert review for this because he Ooh. he gave it one star out of four. Generous, Mister Ebert. And yeah, he talked about the fact that it. It, there's a disturbing subplot about the secret army of white racists, but it never has anything to do with the story. And he was made uncomfortable by the emotional charge of the blatant racism because it was it had no place in essentially a kids movie. Wow! It had absolutely it was so inappropriate, and um, it sh- it was used thoughtlessly, is yeah. what he said. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. Thanks, um, Ebert. Yeah, that. Did yeah, our job for us. We should have just read that review. I'd have saved uh, everybody <laughs> listening to this about 40 minutes of your, your yeah. life. Sorry. Um, yeah, this is an awful garbage film. Yes. Um, I, I do have to say it was better watching it last night because there was not an incessant whine that gave me a headache and there was not a big green line through it. Okay. Um, I, I do like Bernadette Peters. She's, she was great in it. Yeah. She was one of the only redeeming qualities. Um, but yeah, this exploitation stuff. I mean, this, this is just, this movie didn't make a lot of money. It's kind of a bomb. Um, but the movie he made after this is White Hunter Black Heart, which I love. You don't, but. More like White Hunter Black Fart. Okay. If you ask me. That was. Uh, let's do some Amazon movie. reviews. For this movie? Are there? Uh, there's a couple. I want, I want to hear from people who like this movie. Well, you may be in luck or not. I can't wait to find out. Uh, yeah, you're in luck. Amazon customer said M. Good. Five stars. Okay. So Witchy Girl gave it three stars and said, Not the best. This is not one of Clint Eastwood's best movies. However, it is watchable and there are some good comedy moments. If you are a Clint Eastwood fan and wanting to own all his movies, buy it. Well, if you wanted to own all his films, you would have to buy it. There you go. 
Paul Millard gave it five stars and said, Rocker. Quite a entertaining and humorous film. Not one of Clint's best, but not one of his worst. Worth watching like most of his films. Five stars. This will be the bottom of my list. Again, oh yeah, this is like bottom ten, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, it's borderline bottom five. It's pretty awful. Um, I do have to say, if we can go back to the first movie, did any which way you can. I think it's a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I read the Roger Ebert review of it. He said, as bad as it is, it's, it's hard. I don't know exactly what he said, but it's hard it's not charming, to... It's charming, is what he said. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's entertaining, though it will fry your brain. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's never boring. Pink Cadillac, I found um, interminable. I just couldn't wait for it to the be The last over. half was... Insane. I remember we paused it at an hour 35 because you were laughing so hard at one point. Oh, was that the line where the guy said, what, what line was I laughing at? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, he's good. So good. He has to die. Yeah. Soon. Totally. Or is it, broke every rule in the book, wrote a new book about breaking <laughs> rules. <laughs> and there was 25 minutes left and I just had no idea Ugh. how it could last that long. Yeah, we found out the hard way how it could last that long. By watching it. Yeah. I stayed awake through all this one. Give uh, me credit for that. Buddy Van Horn, as of this recording, is still alive. Um, he worked Woo! He worked uh, with Eastwood a number of times after this movie, including uh, stunt coordinator for Oscar-winning Million Dollar Baby. So oh, yeah. um, not everything. And he was a great stunt coordinator and stunt double for Eastwood for years. So Million I'm, Dollar Baby, we talked about the fight scenes in that are just insane. I don't want to feel sound like we're slagging on Buddy Van Horn in general, right. but as a director, he was terrible. Yeah. So that's that's just an honest opinion based on these two movies. Totally. Um, yeah. It's but the worst. That's in the past. Let's talk about the future. Oh, yeah. We our a, Cry Macho update so we have a, segment. We have been following the making of Cry Macho, um, Eastwood's latest film, which he shot in November and December of last year and has already wrapped up filming. Yep. Um, confirmed... Via uh, video people took on set and in various trades that it is a period piece. So it does take place in the 1970s. Yeah. Which we were we talked about because Nick Shank did a rewrite and I was worried that it was just going to be a contemporary version of... That is so great. That's going to be in the 70s. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, there is a brief clip. This is being recorded on what? The 17th of January? There's a brief clip of uh, Cry Macho in HBO Max's... Um, recent commercial about all the feature films that are going to be on their platform this year. So it's coming. Okay. Uh, by the time it comes out, we'll probably be done with this podcast, but we're going to save an episode for it. And we're going yeah. to either pair it with Mr. Ed or Tarantula. I don't know. I'd rather do Mr. Ed. Okay. Tarantula has been referenced through a lot of these. But movies, um, so. other than the Nick Shank rewrite, which worries me, uh, the fact that it's a script that's been around so long, kind of like Unforgiven, I don't want to get too excited because he is 90. But this, this could be something, right? I'm not too, I I think it could be, but I think Eastwood's done making good movies. Well, I mean, it's, it's really, yeah, it depends on the strength of the script, though. But Nick, Nick Shank has been, he has had, you know, two strikes yeah. against him. But maybe he just, uh, his rewrite was just um, changing the main character from a guy my age to a guy Eastwood's age. Cause... Or maybe he was removing all the racist stuff, hopefully. <sighs> anyway. Not too hopeful about that. Anyway, um, is that all? Or what else did we have to Good, the bad, and the... So we saw an AT&T commercial where they used discount Good, the Bad, and the Ugly music, and they had the close-up of people's eyes. Yeah. And it just... It just made me realize, like, how influential the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly has been on media, and mm-hmm. it's one of those things where, even if you've never seen it, even if you've never heard of it, 
you probably know references to it. Mm-hmm. It's it, I would put it probably in the top ten most influential movies of all time. Yeah, well, just just a shot of the close-ups of the eyes and the hands. Right, and the, uh, that's you're right. Um, yeah. So that's that's all. Okay, just want to mention that. Uh, social media: what Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. YouTube. Uh, you can email us at the good, the pot, the ugly, at gmail.com. And if you wanted to know which scene would benefit in either of these <gasps> movies by Ooh. a rat being in Clint Eastwood's pocket, it is. Um, they're digging through the trash can. They pull out the baby. They unwrap it. And it's a rat and a tape recorder. Nice. There you go. All right. Then they throw it and it still blows up. <laughs> okay. Um, Woo! Next episode is going to be Firefox, the mind-controlled plane, and Bird. Um, I've heard some promising things about Eastwood's accent in Firefox from podcast favorite Thomas. And Eastwood is not in Bird. It's one of the... Is that the first movie he made that he wasn't in since Breezy? I believe it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bird's... um, Regardless of its quality, which I'm I, I, I'm not really sure of, um, it, it is a major turning point in his career because he's go. made a lot of movies he wasn't in since then. Uh, we'll be there for that. Thank you for listening. Do you have anything else to say? Um, podcast over. It's done. One it's, of done. The best it's done. It's done. Was Bye-bye. about making the African queen, but before you knew it, you made the rookie with Charlie Sheen. Good old Charlie Sheen Eastwood films everybody seen one Eastwood quotes everybody's ruined one Go ahead, make my eggs Are you gonna pull those pistols or diddle pixies? Dessert Scott Nothing to do with it. Hey, punk, how lucky do you feel? Everybody's got an accountant kid. Dying ain't much of a career path, son. Wakushla means my starling. My doily. Man's got to know his salutations. Hey, why, why are you all shitting on Buddy Van Horn anyway? What, what, what's wrong with you people? Half a mind to come up there and, and pull your beak out of those microphones and give you a thing or two. Otherwise, good job. <laughs>